Most employees, I find, first of all, they want to be managed. They do want to be managed. But in today's environment, they also want to be heard. They want to be part of the inclusivity. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know, to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome, everyone. This is the Ed Epley Experience, and it's your chance to get proven practical ideas from executives who will help you run a more profitable and sustainable business. Today, we're continuing our conversation about structure for business. This is number three in a series of three conversations with executives about the impact that structure has on the success of the business and its relationship to strategy. Denny Fruteman is with us. He's the CEO for HPLEX. And I think we need to give a bit of your pedigree, Denny, because you've been in a variety of executive positions. And so you've seen structure from both a CEO and a CFO position. So why don't you give the background that you've had in your career so that folks understand the context and why I wanted you on today? Sure, Ed, and thanks for having me. I started my career, Ed, as a CPA with a large international CPA firm, ENY. And after spending a number of years there, I moved on and had an interim stop for a couple of years at a Fortune 500 company called Worthington Industries in Columbus, Ohio, very famous and popular company. And from there, I moved on to be an entrepreneur. During my entrepreneurship, I sold my company in 1995 to Ohio Health, a very large healthcare system located in Columbus, Ohio, owned 11 hospitals. As a sale of that company to Ohio Health, I stepped in as the CFO of the system. So I was at the C-suite with Ohio Health. Ohio Health had about, at the time, 15 to 18,000 employees, did about $4 billion in revenue. They have grown since then. And then ended my career at Ohio Health as president of three of its hospitals before I left there in 2002 and started yet another company called HPLEX Solutions. And we offer a variety of healthcare consulting services and real estate services to the healthcare industry, I should say. So I've had a pretty good circle of uh, experience. You sure have. And I'm fortunate. I get to work with Denny as a member of a board of advisors for a company that we're both familiar with. And I've got to see him. Truth be told, he's a deep down inside. He's an excellent consultant. And he's really good at having the right conversations, asking the right questions. And somebody that I've grown to appreciate not only as a friend, but as an excellent, excellent professional. So, Denny, I'm, I'm really excited that the audience gets to hear from you. When we talk about structure for the benefit of the audience, we are talking about the way we deploy our resources. So not only is it our people, it's our money, it's our facilities, it's our intellectual capital or property. I'm missing a couple of other ones. And I think probably the most important resource for most organizations is the time that they have to buy their people to be doing whatever they're supposed to be doing. So structure is how we make sure those resources are deployed as effectively and efficiently as possible. So given that, how often in your roles did you actually talk about structure, Denny? Was that a once a year conversation? Was that once a quarter? Was it haphazard? Was it formal? in your different roles? Ed, when I was in the corporate role and then with Ohio Health, we visited structure annually, really evaluating as we were continuing to grow, bring hospitals into the system, You know, looking at structure and how we could become more effective, especially since we were moving more to a 
structure of a, having a, a system parent and then hospitals underneath it. But the structure was very important. And it's extremely important in healthcare. Also, I will tell you that when I was at Worthington Industries, they constantly evaluated their structure and managing as they were growing, also buying manufacturing plants throughout the United States. So very, very important. As you get into more entrepreneurship companies, I think structure becomes sort of less of a discussion until such time as you want to make some kind of critical move. But I think you see less of it in an entrepreneurship company than you would in a more structured, you know, public company or larger mm-hmm. organization. I think with smaller companies, they they've come to realize the issue or the importance of structure as they make that jump from being 20 people to 50 people to 100 people. They come to realize that the the structure systems processes that got them from from startup to 20 or 30 people don't work anymore when you're 50 or 75 people. And so all of a sudden they get, they, they, they initially think it's uh, a lot of times I think they blame the people for the lack of performance, but pretty, pretty quickly they come to the realization the, the way we're asking them to work together and the way we have them organized is not optimal. That's been my experience. I would, I would tend to agree with that. Uh, Absolutely. And I, you know, have a smaller entrepreneurial company now and we're looking in a growth mode. So we're focusing more on structure today than we did two years ago. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, so do you believe, uh, is there a connection in your mind between structure and strategy? Are they are they supposed to be linked or are in your mind is you can have a great strategy and have a, a, a discrete separate conversation about structure and not worry about the impact it has? No, Ed, I think there's a link of three things in an organization to make it successful. It starts with strategy. You know, it then goes to structure and structure goes to culture. And all three of those really have to be interchangeable. They're not mutually exclusive to be successful. You can have a great strategy, but if you don't have a culture that understands that strategy or a structure that understands the culture in the strategy, you're not going to be as successful if you can, as if you can put all three together. So, so did you learn that in all of your years at uh, Capital University? Is that something that was taught theoretically, or was that is that something you actually learned as part of your uh, your time at different businesses? Where where did you learn that connection of those three? That's called being street smart. Did not learn that at Capital University. Becoming street smart over a number of years, and I got too many years to share to tell you. It took me that long to figure it out. Um, my guess is you didn't see all three connected at first. Am I right on that? that? That it was probably the link between structure and strategy that was first evident before you thought about the addition of culture? I think that's absolutely right. But, Ed, I'll tell you why I throw culture in there, because culture today is, I think, more important than ever before. The workforce is changing. People's expectations are different today than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. And that all comes to now you have to create a culture to abide by by the folks that you bring in. So I think culture is more important today than it was you know, 20, 30 years ago. OK, now you, you got me curious so if I'm hearing you correctly, you believe your culture should be designed to support the strategy and the structure that you have in place. Absolutely. I absolutely believe that. Did Ohio Health do that? Ohio Health was moving in that direction. Yes, they were. Now, you know, it's interesting when you have an organization with 11 hospitals located all around in, in Ohio Health Sense, all around the state, different communities, you know, different kinds of folks. You have, you know, you have your corporate culture and then you have your hospital culture. And, and the trick there was to try to marry the two as close as you can, but still let them have some independence. Yeah. But absolutely, every hospital had their culture, and the organization was really building towards its overall culture to manage. How, how, did they t- how could they tell if a CEO in one of the hospitals 
was building a culture that was compatible with the overall corporate culture philosophy versus uh, somebody who was a, a, a wild card, you know, I, I, doing something that was working for the hospital, but may not be supportive of the corporate culture. Yeah, that's that, that, that's always the trick. But, you know, we used a four quadrant measurement tool for for all of the organizations and we had consistent measuring of each. So we use those measurement tools to really monitor, you know, the, the progress of, of that culture and of the strategy that we put in place. So very consistent message throughout as far as measuring. Went through those on a quarterly basis with every C-suite executive of all the hospitals. Um, now, let's let's uh, let's pretend that we're in a meeting and you agree, you decide you're going to change the structure um, in an organization. And let's let's assume it's not 20,000 people, but it's an organization of you know, 50 to 500, a, a more reasonably sized organization, probably more like the majority of the people listening to this podcast. How long should they take? How long should they give themselves to get that structure change implemented and understood and, and working like it's supposed to? Is that a is that a 30-day window of time? Is that a 90-day window of time? How long does it take? No, I, I I don't think it's a 30 day. I mean, I think it's a several month to year time, depending on the size of the organization. But, you know, you have to start with a couple of premises here that I think are important to know with most employees. Most employees, I find, first of all, they want to be managed. They do want to be managed. But in today's environment, they also want to be heard. They want to be part of inclusivity. So inclusivity is important. So as you put together a structure, you start thinking about reorganizing your company you really need to figure out a way to get to your, your baseline employees, get a consistent message to them. And they also want to know not just what they're making in their W-2, but if you make changes in structure, what's in it for me? How does it affect me and my job? And you and I had this conversation at a recent board meeting. Yeah. I think that's really important to understand. You have to be able to understand what's in it for me. And uh, that that sounds like, oh, my gosh, is, you, you really you know, set up an organization for what's in it for me? The answer is yes. In today's environment with the employees that we're hiring, uh, they're they're much more educated. You know, they're on the Internet. They, they like information. They want to be inclusive. When you say what's in it for me, it's not necessarily financial. It's how how will this change in structure make my job simpler? How will it make me better able to achieve my results? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, how, how to make my job simpler, how to make me be more, more happy on a daily basis in my job, how, how maybe you're going to free up time for me, for my family, uh, how are you going to reward me outside of compensation and recognize me, you know, how am I going to better work with my coworkers? I mean, all that's part of what a worker's thinking about today. Yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Now that, now that you've said that, it's, it's whether it's consciously thought about by the uh, individual that's the individual contributor, there's no question, I think, that there's they're constantly wondering, is my organization looking out for my best interests? Is, is the organization all in to try to help me or uh, do, do, am I a disposable commodity? Uh, I, 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 I appreciate you sharing that. I really do. And I'll, and I'll give you a real life example of that. When I was the president of Doctors Hospital, part of Ohio Health, I had a monthly meeting roundtable with 15 to 20 nurses. N- nursing is a very, very difficult job. I admire everyone who's in the career. And the roundtable rules were this. We were going to sit down and have an open conversation. You can say whatever you want. No one can get fired coming out of that roundtable discussion. But, you know, I was looking for what, what, what employees want. 
And I would always ask him at the end, give me, give me what would you would like. If you could make one change in your job, tell me what it is. And everybody always thinks, oh, the first thing they said is pay me more. I can tell you that I never had, we, we usually would have five to seven items that would come out of that. And pay me more probably was number four or five on the list. Mm-hmm. It was more about recognize me. I would like the physicians to recognize me for what I do. I would like to have more time with my family. I'd like the organization to understand that. And they would go through, you know, what, what's in it for them, which, which they said, by the way, if I have that, makes me more satisfied and allows me to serve my patient with a better mental, you know, oh, result. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and me as a patient, I want a happy nurse. I want a, I want a content nurse and the idea of that they, they are fulfilled in their work. But, and I think that's true really in any organization today. Uh, I do think employees want to be more engaged. They want to be heard. Yeah. And, and so I think one of the keys to a great, you know, senior leadership team is take the time to listen, take the time to get to know your organization. I, I'm going back to the comment you made earlier about, uh, employees want to be managed. I, I I think what you're saying. I think what you're not uh, what you're not saying is they don't want to be micromanaged. They don't want to be micromanaged, but they want to understand what's expected of them. You know, most employees are not entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are a different breed. They can go out and not worry about who who cares about what. They're just focused on something themselves going forward. Yeah. But an employee really wants to. They want to understand the guardrails around them mm-hmm. and where they can and can't be in the workforce. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I, uh, uh, preach, I'm, I'm, a, a, I get a bit, uh, passionate about this premise of all the professional management skills, the organizational performance or performance management skill, um, in, in terms of how well a manager knows how to set expectations, define them, uh, communicate them, and then have the routine, regular conversations about whether somebody's achieving those expectations. That is the worst trained, uh, most lacking skill of all managers at all levels that I see. I don't know if, if you're seeing what I do, but that's that's been my experience. That no, most managers have never been trained to do that part of their jobs at all, let alone well. I, I absolutely agree, and they're you know they're learning as they go through, and it becomes very difficult for them because first of all they were. You know, they work their way up to becoming that managerial position, but they really aren't prepared. Most of them are not prepared to really manage the workforce the way the workforce wants to be managed today. Yeah. And it's not a it's not a pyramid anymore. You know, a line employee wants to know that they if they they have a direct line to the CEO of the organization, they have a right to be able to talk to the CEO. You know, 15, 20 years ago, that was unheard of. But it was, you know, it was a pyramid organization 15, 20 years ago. That's not what employees want today. They understand they have to have leadership, but they want to be able to be included with them. So when you think about uh, changing structure, changing either who reports to whom or whether we're going to be uh, organized by business units or by function, um, you you know, whatever it might be, um, how much change, how fast can organizations generally accept? Can they? Ex- is that something that um, that you, you can try to do that? Um, in can you do more than one thing at a time? I guess is really what I'm asking. So it it, it seems to me that a lot of the changes that we want to make in organizations have more than one component to it. So do you do it all at once, or do you do it in phases? Help me understand the the theory you have about how much, how fast. 
Well, the first thing I believe is that most people really want to fight change. They don't like change. Right. So to, to be able to make change, you have to you have to earn trust and credibility. And that takes a while. And that's why I think you can't do everything at once because you have to really think through, how do I earn trust and credibility? And it starts with open and honest communication at every level of the organization. The other thing I think that is extremely important as you start making changes to structure an organization is as leaders of an organization, you have to decide what is your decision-making policy? You know, who are you going to allow to make decisions? Are you going to reinforce their decisions? Are you going to let them feel that, if they make a decision and they make a mistake, it's not detrimental. That there's a way, you know, the way there's always a way to correct a mistake. A mistake's only a mistake if you don't correct it. But decision making will, will help create credibility and trust. And I think that the top of the organization has to understand that before they tackle starting to make changes in structure of an organization. But an organization like Ohio Health, I, you didn't want. I mean, when it comes to patient welfare. I wouldn't assume that you let the, the, the decisions were not made at the at the front line every day by just anybody that there had to be somebody who had decision making authority over others, didn't they? I mean, or did the did the nurse make the call or did the doctor, I guess is what I'm saying. No, no, absolutely. There's there's decision, you know, in any organization, everyone has a level of what decisions they can make. The key is, though, give them the power to make decisions. We There's times when a nurse has to make a decision. Doctor's not there. There's times when the doctor has to have input to make a decision. So part of changing structure is changing people's ideas of what the, you know what authority I have. I have the backing of the organization to have that. But when do I need to go to the next step? Okay. You know, but but I see too many. I'll tell you, I work with a lot of large hospitals. In the decision making, no one can make a decision until it gets to the top. And all of a sudden, you know, something that could happen in a week takes two months to do. Oh yeah. I'll tell you, oh, yeah. it's 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 really it's re- it's really really not good for an organization. I see it a lot in in the, in the healthcare field. So there's a proper amount of of decision making authority pushed down in the organization to allow it to be reasonably nimble, to be reasonably able to make decisions in a time frame that that's proper. I guess is what we're saying. Yeah, and Ed, you know the whole the whole key is don't allow there to be fear in folks for making decisions. I'll give you another great example. When I became CFO, I'll never forget the first meeting I went to. There were 20 people in the room. We were looking at a new clinical service line for a hospital. They went around the room and each made a presentation. They had been working on this for six or seven months. So it comes to me and I'm, I'm listening to everything. And I said, boy, this all sounds good. Sounds to me like we should move forward. There was total silence in the room. I said, what, what's wrong? Is something wrong? They said, Denny, this is your first meeting. You you can't make this decision in one meeting. I said, I just heard 20 different reports. Is anybody lying in their report? Is anybody not convinced their report is correct? I said, we don't have time. You've spent six months already. We don't have time for another six months of meetings. If you guys believe in it, I listen to it. I think we should move forward. And boy, I'll tell you what, you couldn't believe how refreshed everyone was to leave that meeting knowing a decision was made right there on the spot based on good information, well vetted, but not over vetted. Uh, I, that, wow. You announced your presence with authority in that meeting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got a lot of people coming to me for decisions. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you know if your structure needs changed? You, you, you know, it, it, s- several ways. Once again, financial performance. I mean, that's probably number one. It, 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 any company, whether you're a for-profit or not for, 
profit. You have to have financial performance. But you also have to understand as, a, as an executive, you have to be able to take the temperature of the company. You have to be able to, you know, and that's why we did a lot of work with the employees on employee feedback and, you know, having them, you know, ha- have, have a hotline if they had a problem they could call. I mean, you, you can't get enough employee feedback. Taking, being able to take the temperature of an organization at any point in time is important. And I think that's just as important. In fact, we'll feed the financial results because I'll tell you, when you start going the wrong way with your structure and people don't believe in it, you lose credibility, you lose trust. That's when you really lose productivity. And so I'm sure at Ohio Health or Worthington Industries, there were quite a few employee surveys. Absolutely. Yep. Do you still do that at HPLEX? We don't do surveys at HPLEX, but we do roundtables at HPLEX. Yes, we do. In fact, I'm going through a series of them this week, right before the holiday. Uh, but yes, we did surveys on a quarterly basis. And, you know, by the end of a year, everyone got surveyed, but we broke it down into quarters so we could best understand the information. And we did it in segments of folks, too. But I think it's very important. And, and you know, and surveys work to some extent, but but people don't sometimes don't trust when they put something in writing. And that's why I think it's still important for senior executives to be able to take time in their schedule to get themselves down into the organization. You know, take the in the old days where you had the suit and tie used to be called the suits. You know, oh, here comes a suit. You know, take the suit and tie off. Be Just get down. Because once again, in today's environment, employees want to be heard. So let me uh, play this back for the audience. Um, one, uh, survey your organization. And maybe you don't do the whole organization once a year. You do parts of the organization yep. Uh, three, four times a year so that you, you are touching everybody annually, but not everybody at the same time. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. And then in addition, you would still have these roundtable conversations with yourself and maybe what, five to eight other people at a time? Yes. Yes. But and here's the key to a roundtable. Don't have the roundtable if you're not willing to take at least one of the ideas that come out of it and implement it. In other words, if the roundtable, if nothing happens after it, don't do it. Yeah, But if you want to have a successful roundtable, you take one of those ideas that you've listed and you reviewed before you end that meeting and you implement a new policy or procedure for it. And let me tell you, those roundtables get better and better every time you have them. Yeah, I believe that. So in your in your experience, when you do a roundtable, is it more to validate or understand something that comes out in the, the data of a survey? Or is it sometimes that you get actually contrary information. So you, you, you have to dive deeper and better understand what, what the real issue is. I'm curious about what, 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 how they fit together. Yeah. I think you're having roundtables to react to information you've gotten from the survey, but I think there's other times that you have roundtables with absolutely no agenda, no agenda, open conversation. Let's have lunch. Let's have an open con. It's amazing where it leads to. It's amazing where that leads to when it's an open agenda. Once again, don't survey if you're not going to take that information and take it the next step. Yeah, I would so strongly echo what you're saying to the audience. I would tell you that, in my opinion, if you aren't going to act on the feedback you get from either a roundtable or a survey, what you're essentially doing is vaccinating the organization to believe it's irrelevant what they think. It actually makes it worse. Ed, in today's environment, if you're surveying, you have to be willing to post results of that survey. It's some level to the organization. They have to know that they're being heard. And you know what? You have to be transparent. 
And I think that's really important. In the work you do at HPLEX, where you're helping the healthcare organizations that you support, usually in some kind of real estate or facilities role, correct? You're building and or helping manage facilities for organizations so they can spend their resources and energy focusing on delivering healthcare, correct? Correct. That's correct. How often do you get involved in the cultures of the organization to support what they're trying to do? How often do you get to give them the advice you're giving our audience today? That's what I'm really curious about. Well, it's interesting because as we get involved with, you know, we're involved with several projects right now where we're building new hospitals, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of very important capital being spent. Right. It's going through programming and design. So we're actually sitting in rooms with architects and with staff you know, nursing staffs, kitchen staffs, et cetera, and listening to the design of their space. And we're actually taking information back to the C-suite of what we hear. I mean, we hear things in these meetings. No question. We're able to be a point for them. You know, once again, it's amazing what someone might tell a third party that they're not going to tell someone that they report to. So we do play an interesting role there. And because of my background, I mean, I try to have meetings with the CEOs, COOs or CFOs of the organizations that we're working with, you know, at least once or twice a year to share experiences that we see in the organization, even in decision making. You know, when you're building a major hospital, you have owners that have to make decisions all the time and they have to make them timely. And as we tell our clients, we have to manage you because you're not set up to make decisions sometimes as fast as they need to be made to be able to keep a project going forward and to not overspend on it. Yeah. And so we're trying to teach them how to more quickly vet and make decisions, which hopefully can cascade to other areas of their organization. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Denny, if you're going to summarize then down to that one major idea, one most important thing for the audience when they're dealing with their structure, what is it? Well, once again, I'll go back to how we started. Every company has to have a strategy. It starts with strategy. But strategy by itself cannot be successful unless you have culture and structure that you build around that strategy. And you let each one of those three be interchangeable and support each other. And that culture and that structure, you have to create trust and credibility with your employee base to be able to make change. He's Denny Fruteman. He's the CEO of HPLEX. He's a Excellent, excellent interview on the podcast, and I really appreciate your taking time to join us. If people want to reach out to you for more information, either about structure or about HPLEX, what's the best way, Denny? They can always email me at Denny, D-E-N-N-Y, at HPLEX, H-P-L-E-X dot com. Denny, I hope you and your bride, Deb, have wonderful Thanksgiving and uh, holidays. Thanks for taking time to join us here on the Ed Epley Experience. Thanks, Ed. Have a safe holiday, too. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's the Epley, E-P-P-L-E-Y group.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.